Hi, friends. Welcome to God Stories. I am your host, Cassie, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. This is where I have on my friends, both new and old, to share their God stories. From the big, aha, miraculous, life-changing moments to the ordinary, everyday moments that are oftentimes the very extraordinary, life-changing ones. My hope is that you're encouraged. My hope is that you're sometimes challenged. My hope is that you feel welcome and enjoy today's episode. Hey friends, welcome to God Stories. I'm sitting down with a new friend, Kara Potts. Welcome, Kara. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was telling her I'm so excited to hear her story because like you guys, I'll be hearing it for the first time. She came highly recommended by two different people from The Hangar in Brookshire. So Kara, would you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, my name is Kara Potts, and I currently serve as the volunteer coordinator at The Hangar in Brookshire, and um, I love being out there. Other than that, I'm a mom of a 21-year-old at Baylor University and a 17-year-old that's a junior in high school. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're sitting here in her beautiful home. She only lived eight minutes from me, which was so fun. Um, But yeah, let's go ahead and get into your story. You were telling me that you kind of lived all over. Your dad was in the the Air Force, and then you guys have been here for the last 21 years. But will you just tell me how you came to know Jesus and how he led you to doing what you're doing now? Absolutely. Uh, Like I told you, I was born in actually Mobile, Alabama, and I was adopted when I was five weeks old. I grew up in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved to Alaska for a few years, back to Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And then we ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I went to high school. From there, um, I went on to Baylor. So the important thing to know about all of that is my parents loved Jesus. And they modeled Deuteronomy 6 really well. And they trained up their children in the way that they should go. Wow. Um, we talked about him at our house. We talked about him at church. Um, he was spoken of often. So I grew up knowing Jesus, accepted him into my heart as an, at an early age, and have just been, been on a journey with him ever since. Yeah. Were any of your siblings? adopted as well? No, my brother was not. He came along two and a half years later and was not adopted. Yeah. And so you grew up in Air Force your whole life as a kid? My dad retired when I was in high school. Okay. So for maybe part of my life. Yeah. Was that hard for you moving around everywhere? Not at all. Um, You know, God gives each of us a different set of tools. And one of my tools is I'm outgoing and I love people. So moving was just another opportunity to meet a bunch of more you know, new people. Right. Um, And I loved it. Most of the moving was early on. Now, after my husband and I got married, when we graduated from Baylor, we moved five times in five years. Wow. Um, We lived in Atlanta. We lived in LA. We lived in Sully Hall, England. And then we lived in Houston for a bit. And then we went to Kansas City, Kansas, before settling in Katy, Texas, almost 21 years ago. And was this for ministry jobs or military or what was taking you guys everywhere? No, my husband is in the deregulated power industry. <laughs> so, <laughs> nope, just moved a lot with his, he was on different projects when he was with Ernst & Young. Oh, okay. And I went with him. Uh-huh. And then um, he's been in the power industry for the last, I don't know, 20 some years. Wow. And um, started his own company about 10 years ago. So I very much loved living in Katy and raising my kids here. Okay, I was just about to ask you if after moving everywhere, was it hard to settle somewhere for so long? No, no, <laughs> gosh, I was super happy. Um, no, I, I really enjoy deep friendships. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very blessed to have friends in each of those places 
that I have been able to maintain friendships with. I'm a terrible phone talker, which <laughs> is just one of my flaws. So um, I won't ever call you, but if we connect again a year later, like I go deep and I go fast, yes. and I, I'm like loving you all over again. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So I've enjoyed the 21 years here, really being able to have deep friendships. I know all the neighbors on my street. I know most of the people in my neighborhood. We've been at the same church for 20 years. Um, I love that. I love having roots here. Yeah. And y'all, you guys are almost empty nesters, right? Well, yes. It sounds crazy to say, but yes, my son, my youngest is a junior. So a year and a half, hopefully he'll be a Baylor Bear. We'll see. Yeah. That's so cool. So what in your, so you became the volunteer coordinator for um, the hangar. How did you get involved with that? You told me Uganda is a part of your story too, which I'd love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, professionally, um, I graduated from Baylor. I got a master's in curriculum from Baylor. And then fast forward a few years later, I was teaching in Kansas City. And they asked me to be the assistant principal at the school, but I needed another master's degree. So I was like, sure, what the heck? We've got nothing else going on. So my husband traveled. So I went ahead and got another master's in administration, teaching and leadership, became the assistant principal. Well, don't you know, right when I was about to graduate with that master's, I had a baby. And after Avery was born in 2001, I actually never went back to work professionally for money. But um, I like to stay busy doing things that I think are important. So over the years, I've been hugely influenced by our missions pastor at Kingsland Baptist Church, Mm -hmm. where we attend. Um, Omar is unique and really gifted. Um, He came in with a with a mantra that we need to learn to go beyond, go beyond what feels safe, go beyond where you've gone with Jesus before, go beyond. Mm -hmm. And um, he started talking um, about international missions and local missions and living on mission and being missionally minded. And this hugely shaped who I am today. So I think he came maybe 15 years ago. So I started doing local mission initiatives and very quickly started doing international mission trips. Um, My first one was to Morocco, and um, that is a whole story unto itself. My second was to Kampala, Uganda. Uh There was one pregnancy help center in all of Kampala, Uganda, and our church supported it. And so we went and we met the amazing woman that runs it. Again, a whole podcast could just be this, but I fell in love with international missions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then since then, I have become the team lead for our Cambodia mission trips. And um, I've gone, I believe, 11 times. COVID, we we skipped, but um, we're already planning for this year. So, Do you partner with organizations in Cambodia? We do. One of the things that I think Omar has just been so wise and the Lord has just directed him is we look at where God's already working Mm -hmm. and then we come alongside them. That's really cool. So in Kampala, Uganda, we worked with Veronica, the missionary on the ground that ran the Pregnancy Help Center and the Lord had already opened doors, gifted her. And um, we just came along and supported her. In Cambodia, it's a man named Steve Hyde that um, is doing amazing things um, in in the country and really believes he has a ministry called Asia for Jesus. 
and he believes that the Lord is going to really bring the gospel into Asia through the country of Cambodia. Wow. And again, that could be our third podcast yeah, because yeah. that's a whole story into itself. Yeah, I had a couple, Don and Bridget Brewster on my podcast um, that live in Cambodia. Have you heard of them? No. They work with a sex trafficking, orga- they run a sex trafficking organization there in a town called Suave Pack, or I don't know, it's something really small town there. But that's why I was curious because like, oh, I wonder. Well, I'll definitely want to get your name or get their names from you before you leave today. But um, I really took a long way to tell you that international mission trips are two weeks out of the year. Okay. And the other 50 weeks out of the year, you know, I feel really strongly that Jesus has called us to live on mission where we live. Yeah. So that can look a lot of different ways. I think knowing your neighbors is so important. Mm-hmm. I think being involved in your local church is so important. Mm-hmm. But I think there's more um, when you have a little bit more time to spend. So because I don't work professionally for money, um, I had some time in my life that I wanted to invest and I wanted to invest more than just donating here or there or popping in once in a while. So I've been involved in a few different things um, around the Houston area. I was involved for a few years with a lot of um, refugees and that was wonderful. I really enjoyed that. And when that door closed for multiple reasons, um, the the bigger event that happened in my life in 2018 that I'll share with you in a bit, um, after that, I, I went back to Pastor Omar and I said, listen, I now am almost an empty nester. Um, my life has drastically changed from being a really busy mom of three to having one that drives that's not at home a ton. And um, I want to invest somewhere. And so he took me to breakfast with an organization called Eyes on Me that um, is in Houston and um, just had me listen to what they're doing and what their vision is. And what I very quickly realized is they were doing some really, really awesome things for teens and for men, but I didn't hear a lot about women. And where the Lord has really bent my heart is for women. Mm -hmm. And so um, we just started conversations and it looked like maybe going out to Brookshire and starting something with the women would be in line with what they were looking at doing. So that's how it started. Yeah. And so are you the one that started the programs then for the women? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, Of course, I have wonderful friends that I drag into anything I'm doing. (laughs) And so um, I have some wonderful friends that are doing it with me. But you know, we, we are old enough to know that you can't just plop yourself in a community and say, I am ready to disciple and mentor. Right. I mean, that would be very inappropriate. <laughs> so I thought, I got to get to know the women out here and know who they are, what they need, what they have to offer. So I just came up with a program, and then my friend that's better with words than me named it Wings, Women in God's Service, because, you know, the hangar, we have a whole airplane theme going right. on there. <laughs> so we started Wings, and we thought, what do all women like? Well, we like to have a meal with our friends. Yes. We like to laugh, uh-huh. maybe play a game. We like to have relevant speakers. Yes. So we just started saying, hey, what do women want to know? So we've brought in nutritionists. We've brought in um, OBGYNs. Oh, cool. We've brought in mental health um, facilitators. We have done quite a bit on fitness, um, finances. Mm -hmm. And as we brought in the speakers and over the past years, we've gotten to know the women, something has just sparked. And it's been really exciting to watch it take fire. Yeah. 
So what would your encouragement be for people that want to feel like they have purpose or want to do something to make a difference? Like you met, you stepped out, met with someone with eyes on me and got involved. What if somebody was feeling stuck? What would your encouragement be to them just wanting to, to make a difference? You know, I think you have to know yourself and know how the Lord bent you. If I was trying to get involved in a, an organization that did something while good, completely against the way the Lord bent me, it would be hard. Mm -hmm. And I find when we serve in the gifting that he's already given us, there's joy, things click, it works. So I think the first thing would be take time and talk to Jesus about it and say, hey, will you just show me what am I good at? What have you already given me? What are things that get me excited? Mm -hmm. Because if it's something that you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this, then that's probably not going to be an area of ministry for you. But once you know, you know, I know my lane is I love women. I love ministering to women. I love hearing from women. I love being in relationships with women. I love women. So I already knew that that was a bent he had for me. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, well, there are women all over the world. What is my stage in life right now? Well, I need to be in Katy because my son's in school. And, um, but I can travel a little bit. It doesn't have to be next door. So then just, I think the Lord, when we open up our heart and say, Lord, I want to serve, will you show me where you would have me? I think all of a sudden when your eyes are open, you can see the Lord lining things up for you. So my, my advice would be know yourself well, get in God's word and be praying and asking him and then watch with expectancy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever face any fear with I mean, you're so outgoing, <laughs> so you're really in your lane. But I wonder if, um, you know, some people are afraid to go to their neighbors or somebody they don't know or just making that step, whether that be with COVID or just talking to people or whatever. How do you handle fear? You know, I can tell you that fear is really not one of my issues. Trust me, I have plenty of issues, but fear is not one of them. Yeah. Um, I don't often feel afraid about anything. I can I can just tell you that honestly. Um, we just had a fall festival this last Sunday that I helped plan, and I was a little fearful that no one would come. I had recruited 75 volunteers, and I thought, well, if only 50 community members come, this is going to be embarrassing. So I do think there's a little bit of like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing with this, but I'm just going to trust you. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to blaze ahead and not let fear get in my way. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So is there anything you want to else you want to share in your story? Well, um, I was telling you right before we turned the mics on Uh that um, I'm part of a group called Storytellers. So I love what you're doing because I think sharing our story is so important. And I think often people do not um, become Mm self-reflective and look back and think, what is the story that God is writing in my life? You know, back in the 80s and 90s, we were encouraged to share our testimony. And that was just who I was before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and how he's changed my life. But it was usually, I came to know him at an early age, and now I'm following him, period. Mm -hmm. And um, I've really had the Lord expand what sharing my testimony means. And what I really, the word I like to use now is just sharing my story, Mm -hmm. because I think it's a connector to people. When I stand up and share, or sit down over coffee is really where it normally happens, um, and share a little bit of my story, you have the opportunity to say, oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. Or I have a friend. Or, 
you know what, that's actually something I'm really afraid of. Right. And so then it opens up conversation. Um, I love to talk about fashion bloggers and cooking and all the things, but um, my real jam is deep conversation. So I think sharing our stories is important. Mm -hmm. So this group, Storytellers, um, we just have women share their story in about 45 minutes. And um, we just asked them to share a moment in time where Jesus really intersected their lives. So when I shared it last week, I actually spent some time saying, Lord, will you just help me think through my story? Because, you know, I could tell it a Uganda story. I could tell a Cambodia story. You know, at, at 49 years old, I have a lot of different stories with Jesus. But um, 2018, I was 45 years old. Um, my story took a turn that I didn't see coming. So that was what I shared last Thursday. Yeah. Do you want to share anything about that today? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll share the condensed version. But um, in 2018, I was 45. I had a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And life was just trucking along really, really well. Um, the word, when I look back at my life when I was 45, the word that really comes to mind is contentment. I was just really, really happy with life. Um, you know, of course, I wished this more or wished that that more. But overall, I woke up in the morning just so content. I, I love being a mom. I love my three kids' relationships. Um, I love my husband. I just loved our neighbors. Like, everything was just so great. And um, I, I almost felt a little bit guilty because when I would hear girlfriends talking about how hard parenting was or how difficult marriage was, I secretly was like, I don't really know what you're speaking of because I think it's pretty great. Um, but of course, I didn't voice that out loud. I kept my extreme happiness to myself <laughs> a lot. But um, in 2018, in February of 2018, unexpectedly, my husband um, found out that he had lymphoma. Wow. And I thought, you know, all the years in Bible study, I know that the Lord is just preparing us to know who he is when the storms of life hit. So that was what I would call my first storm. But thankfully, knowing God's character and just knowing who he is, um, it, it, it was a small storm. And, and my husband is in remission. He's totally fine. And it didn't end up being a real tragedy. But looking back, what I'll tell you is the Lord used that in my 16-year-old's life. Um, he was actually almost 16. He was 15 at the time. Um, it really hit him hard. He was my most sensitive child, and knowing that his dad had cancer was really, really hard on him. So all my kids go on mission trip with Kingsland and Pastor Omar um, every summer, and Cooper was headed to Chicago to do his mission trip that year, and he was helping with a sports camp. And while he was there, and when I tell you um, he was a really typical teenage boy, like he did love Jesus, but he wasn't uber spiritual. He wasn't out sharing his faith every day with his friends. Um, certainly loved Jesus and was in Bible study and went on mission trip, but um, just just keeping your head really, really regular kid. Um, loved sports, loved his friends, loved Whataburger. Um, he was at the sports camp and they asked him to share his testimony. So he got up in front of kids and shared that although he knew Jesus, you know, essentially life had been pretty easy. And then when he found out that his dad had cancer, it really made him lean on the Lord like he never had before. 
and he was trusting that God would pull our family through this. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think something changed in him where he really owned his faith for the first time. And the second storm of life was a few months later, September 2nd of 2018, Cooper was killed in an ATV accident. And, um, you know, you're never prepared. You're never prepared. So you did not know this about my story. No. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was um, something that changes your life forever. So uh, 2018, we lost our son. He was um, 16 for six weeks, had just gotten his driver's license, um, could not have been happier at this time in his life, and I could not have been happier with my three kids. It was just a really sweet, sweet time. And um, Labor Day weekend, all three kids went with friends to various places, and Cooper went with friends to their ranch, and um, he and his friend were riding on an ATV, and um, it crashed and into a lake, and he actually drowned. Mm. So um, your life changes in that moment. Yeah. Wow. So... You seem really happy now. (laughs) How did you get through that? How did you get your happiness back? You know what? That's actually a really, really great question. Um, and And I can tell you, I've learned that happiness and joy very much coexist with sorrow and grief. It is going to be, it's my life today, and it's going to be my life the rest of the time I'm here on earth until I see Cooper, till I see Jesus. So um, that's how, number one. Um, I'm very, very thankful that I knew who Jesus was and I knew his character before I lost my son. Um, In the moments that I found out, one memory that really sticks out, a lot of that year is real fuzzy, but in the moments where I, I just found out you know, I started yelling in my front yard, God is good. God is faithful. And I was just leaning on what I already knew. And I know you can certainly find Jesus during the storms. You know, he's always waiting. But I am thankful that I already knew him and I knew him well. So I like to tell people, you know, all of us have a backpack that we have to carry through life. And some, up until 45, gosh, my backpack was pretty darn easy. It really was. It was a light, easy backpack to carry. And, you know, some people get to 80 and they have a light, easy backpack. But most people that I meet, they've got some stuff in it. And it's not fair. It's just what life has given them. And um, my backpack now has the loss of a child. Yeah. And it has sadness and grief. But very quickly, I said, you know, if I add anger, bitterness, fear. I'm putting things in my backpack that God didn't call me to carry and it's going to be too heavy for me. So I just really had a moment with Jesus where I said, I'm going to carry what you've given me to carry because I don't have a choice. Right. Right. But I'm not going to add, I'm not going to add to it. Now I want to ask about your other kids and your husband. Have they had the same kind of journey that you've had with trusting the Lord? Yes. The short yeah. answer is yes. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I know grief looks different for everyone. That's exactly what I was about to say. Grief looks different for everyone. And um, definitely we all have a different journey. But I can honestly tell you that 
I think your kids often take their cues from you. Mm -hmm. And my husband was rock solid in where, where we know Cooper is. We've never wavered. Not only did he believe in Jesus and trust him, he, he had just shared yeah. you know, six weeks earlier. So that's kind of that's how, so cool. how to bring that full circle. Right. And, and the, my friend that heard him give the testimony after Cooper died, he typed it up and sent it to wow. me, which is a sweet, so sweet special. gift. But um, my daughter is about to be 21, and she very much has had a similar grieving journey that I have. She's been blessed with precious friends that know Jesus and encourage her. It's um, frequent that she'll get a, a, a verse or a letter just saying, Avery, I love you. I'm praying for you. I know today's going to be a hard day for you, so just know you're covered in prayer. Pretty pretty great for, for a college kid to have um, friends like that. Mm -hmm. I think Carson, um, my 17-year-old, I think part of it's being a boy maybe, and part of it's being in high school, a little bit younger. Um, I think that it's harder for friends to know what to say. He has great friends, and they are certainly there for him, but they don't bring it up. Like like my friends bring it up to me, and like Avery's friends bring it up to her. I think both Dave and Carson um, don't talk about it as much because their friends don't bring it up. So I think that can be a little bit harder. Yeah, I think it's harder for me when when my friends or my dad's friends or whatever don't ever bring up dad, you know, cause they don't, like you said, they don't have bad intention. They just don't know what to say, but almost it's more helpful when I have friends bring that up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and for anyone that's lost a child knows we want to talk about them. I mean, could I well up with tears? Yes. But oftentimes I'm just so happy to talk about him. Now the first year looks different. Um, he's now been gone over three years. And I've definitely, I could not have talked about this like this the first year. Yeah. So it's definitely um, <clears throat> changed a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I'll be sad until the day the Lord allows me to go to heaven. But there's still joy. There's still things that make me happy. I still love laughing with my friends and petting my dogs and going to lunch and, you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do anything to keep his memory alive, quote unquote? Um, you know, I don't think you even have to try to do that. So, um, you know, we live in the same house where he lived for 16 years. Mm -hmm. um, right behind you is the pool where he swam, the basketball court where he played basketball. You know, it's all he's constantly brought up and thought of yeah so that's nothing that we have to do intentionally um you know carson still wears cooper's clothes um you know we have pictures of him up so yeah yeah it's just it's just part of our day-to-day -day conversation yeah so if anyone does has lost a child or hopefully never but if they do lose a child what would you say to them um you know, I get asked that a lot. It's my friend said at her son's funeral that we're now members of a club that no one wants to be a part of. But once you are a member of that club and you put yourself out there a little bit, you'll get the calls. And um, the first thing that I probably would say is you let me know when you feel like talking. Um, I didn't feel like talking to my best friends for weeks. Um, I really only wanted to be with my immediate family. So allowing people to grieve on their own timetable and not showing up at their house 
um, because they may not be able to talk right then. So giving people some space um, for the person that is grieving, allowing yourself time. Don't feel like you have to fill in the blank, anything. Mm -hmm. Just giving yourself time. But I will tell you, Very soon after losing Cooper, um, one of my best friends was going through cancer. And I jumped in and asked if I could do her care calendar. And that's a tiny thing, but it gave me something to do that made me feel like I was helping someone else. You know, I'll, I'll circle back to Cambodia and Uganda. I think having those overseas experiences and looking in women's eyes that have lived through atrocities that are beyond anything I could imagine... When I lost Cooper, I would never tell you that the worst thing has happened to me because it isn't. It hasn't. You know, Cooper was happy. He knew Jesus. I have a strong support system. I was able to take time and grieve in my own way with meals for months and, you know, all the support I could have. There are women all over the world that lose their children to horrible, horrible circumstances. They have to go back to work the next day. Um, They have no support system. So it gave me a lot of perspective. So I felt like jumping in and helping others was a way that I could heal and feel purposeful and not just sit. You know, there's a, a saying from a long time ago that an idle mind is the devil's playground or something to that effect. And I think if I sat in my pajamas every single day just thinking about what I lost, that that can give way to a lot of unhealthy um, thinking. So do I have days where I allow myself that? Yes. But is that how I live? No. You know, I put on my shoes and I do the things that God has given me. And I think that's really helped. Yeah. Wow. Wow, Kara. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your story. Like I said, I knew nothing about it. (laughs) So that's awesome to hear. Um, it almost feels wrong to ask my last question no, right now. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> no, but is there anything else you wanted to share before I do ask my last fun question? Hmm. Um, no, you know, I'll, I'll sum it up with this. Going to church and reading my Bible and doing Bible study are things that I may have done in the past more as a checklist, things I thought I should do. But now as I look back, it's really Jesus's sweetness to allow us to do that to build our faith because scripture says that in this life we will have trouble and your trouble is going to look different than mine you know all of our lives look so different but all the time that you spend spend getting to know him and talking about him with friends and really solidly believing what you believe will set you up for when the storms come being able to not let the wave take you down. Yeah. So so I would just encourage your listeners, you know, wherever you are with Jesus, tell him you want more. Tell him Mm -hmm. you want more of him, whatever that looks like. So, so good. Wow. Thank you. Okay. So my last question is if you could sit down with somebody from the past or present and hear their God stories, who would it be and why? I like that question. No one's ever asked me that. And, um, you know, someone that I've always been curious about, I want to hear the rest of the story with the woman at the well. Mm. Like we know what her life was like before her encounter with Jesus. But, you know, I would invite her on your podcast. I would invite her to my storytellers. (laughs) Like, girl, tell me what happened after that day at the well. Because you know what? Did she go back to living the way she lived 
but knew that there was grace and mercy and love for her. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, sometimes hard stuff is just hard, even when you don't want to be in that hard stuff. Yeah. But did her life radically change? And did she tell everyone she met moving forward? Like, hey, y'all, you're not going to believe this. But so, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to hear the rest of her story. I love that answer. That's so cool. I wish I could have her on my podcast. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> hey, I, I know where we're going to spend eternity and yeah. we can probably talk yes. to her then. <laughs> yes. If anyone wants to come to your storyteller group, is that an option? Absolutely. It, it's open. I think the best way to know about it is to follow me on social media. Okay. Um, Kara Potts on Facebook. Okay. And I think I'm Kara M. Potts on Instagram. Great. And I post about those dates. And yeah, like I said, you bring nothing. You just show up, um, have a cup of coffee, listen to a story, and typically you just leave encouraged. Well, I'm going to come. I'm Good. excited. I hope you do. <laughs> I hope you do. Well, thank you, Kara. Thank you for having me. This was great. Time well spent. Friends, thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love if you could share it with a friend. If you could give a rating and review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be amazing. That way, when other friends come across it, they know to listen too. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at God Stories with Cassie. Love you guys so much. Have a great day.